The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. To the house, This is unbelievable. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson. National Signing Day, early signing period, uh, the busiest Wednesday in December. Uh, It is for the most part, yeah, in the book, 6.42 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Barton Simmons has just been through a marathon, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. You had uh, Josh Pate, Barton, Steve Wiltfong in Nashville. We had Bud Elliott down in Fort Lauderdale. We were throwing to Brady Quinn. Uh, stellar job. And, and let me first say this, because you did open yourself up. You made yourself vulnerable to the podcast audience. You admitted that you were a little bit nervous going into this. And I got to say, man, I kind of got chills from like the first two to three hours because it felt like you were cooking. You know, it felt like you were getting back on a bike and you were rocking and rolling. Now, as a whole, I could tell fatigue set in for everyone, you know, once we started to get (laughs) into those like mid-show hours. But I wanted to say to you, seriously, it it is awesome to see you do uh, your job because I do think you are the best in the country at it. And I thought that y'all put together a fantastic product. So uh, if for some reason you did not watch on CBS Sports HQ, the wall-to-wall coverage, uh, make that be the last time because. I kept it on all day, and uh, and I, I thought y'all had the best product around. Well, I appreciate that. Honestly, I do, and um, it's I, I have the easiest job on that show. There's there's well, I mean, if, if among the talent on the show, I have the easiest job. That doesn't even include the people that are putting it on on the back end, and they, they do a great job. But Pate's got to freaking run traffic control the whole show. And that's a beast. And then Will Fong is the one that's actually like working the phones, coming up with the scoop, um, bringing the news. And I'm just, I got, man, I got the cush gig where I'm just sitting there like kind of giving analysis. And so, um, yeah, man, I'm thanks. I appreciate that. Glad we got through it. And um, it's uh, another signing day in the books. I honestly thought it was, it felt less newsy than I maybe hoped it would be like, it felt like there was, we had the stories and there was some, there we'll, we'll, we'll get into some of those. And, but 
it didn't feel like there was as much uh, chaos as maybe I, I, I anticipated that might be. But I, I think that's probably just a product of there wasn't enough opportunity for the last minute official visits to shake things up. There wasn't enough opportunity for the coaches to prioritize some guy uh, based on some new information. Like it was just sort of everyone kind of knew the same stuff. They were all working off the same information sheets. They all, the, the same press release that was handed out to all these schools, like they all had the same deal. So uh, I think that probably contributed a little bit to what felt like to me, at least, I don't know if, if I'm alone, but it felt like a little bit of a, uh, a less just crazy day. Well, you got something started in my head. I ended up writing about it in the intro on of a, a winners and losers breakdown on cbssports.com, which is so much uncertainty. And uh, that is information that the prospects have about the schools and the coaching staffs have about the prospects. And so much that is unprecedented with the NCAA having all these rules that are restricting, you know, how much is able to go on on the recruiting trail. And you look up at the end of this early signing period and what happened more than 40 of the top 50 players all committed you know and who are the teams at the top it's Alabama it's Ohio State it's LSU and it's Georgia it's like we were thrown a curveball and a few of the big trends that have been the case over the last couple of years but the teams that are involved and the fact that uh, so many players are deciding to wrap up their recruitment here in December. Like all that was the same. Now there is a lot of uh, unknown moving forward, like you mentioned, but it sure seems like people are just going to stick to what they know. Like the um, just just going with the flow w- was all good here. Like, and I, we're going to get into some of these storylines, but I mean. Alabama not only is retaking the number one class, but might be on pace for the highest rated class ever. I mean, that is so uh, ridiculous on its own and then also feels so comfortable and familiar in this year of uncertainty. It's really incredible. It's it, the, the fact that we've gotten into such a groove and such a routine of just Alabama having a number one class. And granted, Georgia has... has gotten in there and shaking things up a little bit, but it is, it is pretty remarkable what Nick Saban is able to do. And, and today the big one was Keanu Cope. They, they flipped a kid from LSU. Uh, they've landed the top two um, edge rushers in the state of Florida. Uh, they've got the top, what, three wide receivers in the state of uh, Florida as well committed. So it's, it, I mean, that, that they can do this every year. I mean, I know it's Alabama. They're playing a bit with the stack deck, but Still, it's it takes quite a uh, quite an effort to to put this on year after year. But I, look, when there's less information out there on both sides of the table, then what's going to happen? People are going to default to the schools that they know most about, the schools that are pretty easy to like to to, to figure out. And when there's less information out there, the schools are going to default to the, the obvious guys that are going to be ranked high. And like so, uh, it, it kind of makes sense that this is pretty much a chalky signing day. Um, but uh, let's not kid ourselves and act like it would have been any different if there was a you know different circumstances. I'm sure Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State and Georgia and LSU would have uh, figured out a way to be at the top anyways. So Ole Miss was uh, one of the big stories of the day, and it's uh, 
especially within the context of its relation to Mississippi State because MJ Daniels says he's committed to Mississippi State as recently as a few days ago. He ends up committing on uh, on the Facebook Live with thousands of Mississippians tuned into the stream. I mean, I couldn't I couldn't help but think about what if that was uh, a packed gym, you know, with everyone in there and we get yeah. those in-state battles where there's a gasp. You know, he puts on Ole Miss and some of the students are happy. Some of them are a little bit upset. Uh, MJ Daniels flipping from uh, Mississippi State to Ole Miss. Then there's also, you know, Mississippi State was right in there on four-star wide receiver Malik Neighbors. Malik Neighbors ends up going to LSU. Ole Miss also had a few more wins. The the Egg Bowl divergence, I feel like, was uh, one of the – you mentioned Ole Miss early on in the day on CBS Sports HQ, and by the end of it, it felt like the divergence of these two programs – you know, really felt like one of the biggest storylines in the SEC. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I do like, look, I mean, in addition to just sort of the movement of the day for Ole Miss, which took place, and, and they, they uh, that the movement really has started well before today. So it, that, that was almost um, It was just remnants. 15 to 11 today, but there was like more from that before where they had gotten to 15, right? Yeah. Did they get to 15? Did, Ooh, get that did I get that wrong? Um. No, they got to inside the top 20. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, so they landed at 15 to 11 was a USC move, which we will also talk go. about right, later. Right, right. Um, but I think some of the spots that are encouraging in this class is the idea of, and again, like I said, this was a, this was a move for, for a while that was, that was coming. Um, not a while, but the last couple of weeks. And one of the things that's encouraged about this class is I do think some of the guys they landed on the defensive side of the ball are really good. Um, in particular, I think MJ Daniels is outstanding. Marquevious Brown, like those were the guys they landed today. Tysheem Johnson is a really good safety out of Pennsylvania. They were able to land. Um, so, so those are all promising. Um, and I just think it does feel, I mean, you're right. Like it does feel like Lane Kiffin finally got to make his sort of splash recruiting moment this cycle. We, we expected that when he arrived at Ole Miss, there was going to be some recruiting buzz, recruiting juice. And he didn't have a chance to do that last year. Just didn't really, the circumstances didn't really allow it and hadn't really allowed it to this point this year. But uh, it, it's paid off kind of in the end here and Ole Miss making a move. And yeah, I mean, I think Mississippi State had some, they took some L's today. Um, LSU has, and by the way, like if, if you're complaining why we're going SEC heavy, we got more to get to, but I mean, it's, it's recruiting. It's, it's National Signing Day. Right. Um, LSU has this awesome uh, sort of two-track situation going on where, and I'm going to present this and understand that maybe things you know, feel like they might have turned with that Florida win, but I'm recognizing that the Florida win really has nothing to do with this. But all, all the headlines are negative. You got players opting out. Uh, you're losing. You're below 500. You've got an NCAA case and NCAA violations that lead to the announcement of self-imposing a bowl ban. And there's a. It feels like it's been a lot of negativity around Baton Rouge, and all the while. Ed Ogeron and this staff have just been grinding behind the scenes. And you know, some of the some of the LSU wins today maybe felt like a little bit of no-brainer. Like I was, you know, getting a getting a better feel for Southern Louisiana geography as I was trying to figure out how far Mason Smith was from where uh 
from where Coach O is said to have a hometown in LaRose, Louisiana. Sure <laughs> seems like they're uh, they're very much in the same metropolitan area as much as you can say that. Uh, that I mean, you know, five-star defensive tackle, instant impact player who's going to come in there. But then there's also, you know, uh, winning a, a player from, let's see, four-star cornerback Demarius McGee and getting him away from Tennessee. He's McGee is from Florida. Going into Ohio, getting four-star running back Corey Kiner. Like, this was this is not only LSU to me um, scoring par like this is an un, like this is a, a great score day for LSU. Yeah, I mean, look, it was not all good because they you did lose, lose the Keanu flip. coach, right. um, and you know JoJo Earl has he even he actually is he committed? He, committed he has to Alabama. He committed to so Alabama. He went, he went ahead and committed to Alabama. So th- those are two big ones that you lost, but. You're right. I mean, there's there's plenty of good news too. Um, I think the Mason Smith one is is huge. I mean, that was one that they they were really having the battle for. Um, Georgia Malik, coming at him hard, right? Yep. Uh, Malik Neighbors is that's not that's not necessarily the 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 blue chip that everyone in the country was after, but he's a guy I really believe in. That I like. I, I like. He's one of my pet pet projects there. Like I think is a stud. Um, and then. Um, you know, Demarius McGee, who was the other big one for them. And, and he was a kid that was once committed to Tennessee. And like, a, it's it's a bit of a um, reality check for Tennessee there because Tennessee found him earliest. They, they got him committed. Tennessee thinks they're climbing the ranks. And and I think LSU just sort of played, you know, kind of big dogged him on that one and 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 kind of got him at the at the end of the process. And, and so I think that was a really big get because I think that guy's a really good player, but you're right. I mean, LSU's their top five. Um, they had a bunch of freshmen that played this year. They've got a bunch of freshmen in this class. They're going to play next year. Um, you know, get them that this, like, it might be a little, it might not be quite as, um, qu- quite as much as sort of just a steady year over year returns as you get out of Nick Saban at Alabama, but the way Ed Ogeron recruits, like, they're never going to be that far down that long because they're always going to have talent. What about Auburn? We got a we got a skeleton staff led by Kevin Steele with all the the power of the boosters behind him with the the Kevin Steele camp. I mean the. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes at Auburn right now, um, but Kevin Steele was in charge of the skeleton staff. He did take questions at Auburn signing day press conference, and uh, though he was not uh, allowed, though media was not allowed to ask any questions about the uh, the head coaching job that's open. Do you feel like Auburn? Because Auburn right now is number forty in the class rankings, and. We don't always think about Auburn as being top five, top 10, but I kind of feel like Auburn's normally a top 20, top 25 lock. Is there room to be made up by whoever the next head coach is? And, you know, do you feel like Auburn was really impacted by the not having a head coach in not being as much of a factor here on national signing day? Yes. Yeah. I think that, um, I think that was a big deal. Um, and it does, I mean, for, yeah, like you said, I mean, they're, they're typically like 15. They're typically like in the top 15, hovering around the top 10, getting inside the top 10 sometimes. And so 40 is not, that's not where they're used to being. And so I think there's still opportunity, possibility for them uh, to, to make some moves up, but it might be, they might have to drum up some new names. They might have to <clears throat> use a little elbow grease to figure out how this class is going to start looking pretty at the end of the process. 
But uh, look, I mean, you know, I, I think some of the guys they were like Hal Presley, for example, is a kid that I, I know they're really excited about um, out of the state of, of Texas. who was a once a Baylor commit. Um, you know, that's a that's a kid out of their footprint that they got to sign. And so there, there's there, it's not all bad news, um, but that's the whole point here. I think that's the whole point of this, this, this coaching change is like Auburn just sort of wants to shake things up. And if it takes a recruiting class that's, that has to be sacrificed to make that happen, then okay. But you know what? They're, they're want to shoot for the stars. It seems like. Okay. So uh, you, you spent all that time around Josh Pate, Steve Wiltfong, Bud Elliott, lack conversations, you know, we've, we had some, some social distancing videos that we could run so that you could go to the bathroom. You know, is there any downtime? Is it, does anybody uh, from any of your sources, maybe even from Auburn undercover, you know, does anybody have any idea about this Auburn coaching search as we sit here on Wednesday night? Does anyone feel like they've got any more clarity into what's going to happen with that position? No, I mean, you, you would know better than me. I mean, I've been, I've been, jibber jabbering all day long talking about recruiting uh, you know i don't know if there's been new narratives that have emerged i'm still of the opinion if i were a betting man and i had to pick one person kevin i Steele. would pick kevin Steele. now if i had to pick kevin Steele or the field i'd probably pick the field but if you gotta if i have to zero in on one single person it just seems like kevin Steele has got the uh has got the head start on things and you know, uh, my my old pal Jerry Hennon, former CBS Sports colleague, is a big Auburn fan, and and he said, you might be thinking, you know, there's no way they would pay twenty one million dollars to get rid of a head coach just to promote the defensive coordinator. Me, Auburn fan. Oh yes, we could. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I understand to everyone on the outside that this it doesn't make sense. You would think, no, you wouldn't do that. You would do that to go try and and land the big fish, but. That's just not the way Auburn works. Yeah, I don't know how Auburn works. I had an Auburn fan that I'm buddies with texted me at the end of the show and was like, is um, is it going to be crystal ball? And I was like, oh, did some news break today that I'm not oh. aware of? Because I thought that crystal ball had already sort of t- sort of turned that, had, had, had reaffirmed that he was going to be at Oregon. We've got Oregon um, working on the new deal tomorrow. There is like, you know, when we get the the board to meet and the only line item action on the board agenda is approval of new head coaching contract. And so Cristobal was in the news today, but to me it was in the news for um, congratulations to Mario Cristobal. You just used some some Auburn target (laughs) leverage to be able to uh, get a new deal at Oregon. Well, and and this is, again, this is a, a buddy that's an Auburn fan and a football fan, but he doesn't necessarily like uh, troll the message boards every day. And, um, and so when I was like, well, I actually, I still think probably Kevin Steele may be the guy that lands. And he was like, well, if it's Steele, like 99% of Auburn fans are going to be pissed. And I was like, look, I don't know. Maybe that's true, but, but the one who pays 99%, the 1% (laughs) is a very important 1%. If, uh, if that is true. And so, that's that's the whole point. Hey, it, if if it's your money, you can do whatever you want with it. Incredible, incredible stuff. Um, okay, so 
as I uh, as as we start to scan now outside the SEC, I mentioned USC. They made the move from 15 to number 11. It felt like the splashiest name was getting Jackson Dart, the four-star quarterback out of Utah, who is also looking at in-state BYU. But I I wanted to ask you because you always have a better feel for the for these USC classes. Do you like uh, not just the fact that because what last year they're outside the top 50. Like bouncing back was a big, big need. And to be able to be right back up there in the top 15, move up to the edge of the top 10 feels like a good response, not just from Clay Helton, but from new assistant coaches, especially on the defensive side of the ball that just arrived prior to this season. Um, what is the rest? Like, what are some of the highlights from the rest of that class? And and do you, do you think that USC did enough or had lived up to some, getting closer to the expectation that we have had from USC at times. Well, they got two quarterbacks. That's important. Um, the the one that I really like that they got is Jackson Dart out of Utah. I think that dude's a baller. I think he's going to be a really good player. Um, you know, for better or worse, I think the strength of this class is there is the skill positions. So I don't know. I mean, not not to spin this negatively. I don't, and I'm not intending to do that. But I mean, like the the offensive linemen, the defensive linemen in this class are are the ones that are sort of pulling up the rear, and it's the quarterbacks and the the wide receivers and the tight ends and the corners at the top of the list. And so, I mean, that is what it is, and and that's that's all well and good, and they'll they'll be they'll be successful there. But I mean, ultimately, like if if USC wants to get back into that playoff world. You know they've got to be, they got to be putting pulling together complete classes. So, um, but look, there's still Corey Foreman out there. Um, mm. I mean, I think that's the key, and not to not to pin pin this down to one guy, but I think. And he did sign today. He's just keeping it under wraps, and the school he signed with is keeping it under wraps. January second, NBC. Um, that's when we'll make. That's when I'll be on the the, the broadcast. Tune in. Um, he'll make it public at that point, and. I think that's the that's the key that's the key guy in this cycle for USC um, because look uh, USC is still at at eleven ish that's fine that's good but it's not like remember now this is USC that got a one to be top three top two top one right like they can do that yeah so I, I you know I, I want to hold I want to hold continue to hold USC to a high recruiting standard because that's what USC is capable of. Good point. Good point. Just a little bit of news for all y'all. CBS Sports and Westinghouse are teaming up to give away 10 prizes for the holidays, including a curved gaming monitor and a portable power station perfect for tailgates. You want to be able, when we are back in these stadiums, when we are outside tailgating together, to have the perfect setup, everything electronic. You're going to need a portable power station, and CBS Sports and Westinghouse are teaming up uh, to give away that as one of the 10 prizes for the holidays. You go to cbssports.com slash happy holidays to enter. Once again, that is cbssports.com slash happy holidays to enter. The contest ends December 25th. Remember, cbssports.com slash happy holidays, 10 prizes for the holidays from CBS Sports and Westinghouse, including a curved gaming monitor and a portable power station. All of it is on the table you can go and enter cbssports.com slash happy holidays. Coming up on the other side, what do we think about Jim Harbaugh, Michigan, how they did in this cycle, and more, including your questions, next. 
the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So we did solicit for some questions on Twitter. Uh, the question here, this first one is from Jake. Jake asks, why does Michigan refuse to recruit Ohio when that's what's fueled the program for years? Do not know this, but after it's done, I also want to talk about Donovan Edwards and the rest of this class. Because Donovan Edwards is an in-state kid, and that felt like a big part of, you know, being 40 minutes from Ann Arbor, that kind of felt like a big part of his uh, his decision to be there. But does Michigan not refuse? Does Michigan really refuse to recruit Ohio? Or did they just not get Ohio guys? Well, I'm, I man, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I, I I I don't know why. They, I mean, look, they 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 try to recruit nationally as as most do. I think you could make an argument that Michigan spends a little too much time in like the New England territory. Um, but I don't think there's anything intentional about not recruiting Ohio. I think it's just uh, Michigan's a national brand. It's, it has national appeal. It's an academic school. It's, there's a lot of reasons Michigan is taking a very national as opposed to regional approach. You know, I kind of like forget that Donovan Edwards is right up the road for Michigan because he's been one of those national recruits. Um, and he's a guy that was seemed like he was heading towards Ohio state very early in the process. Um, and I, I do think that Michigan's success in landing him today was really important. I'm not giving up on this dirt bike offense, dude. Oh, I know. I'm not, I'm not like, I'm, I haven't closed the door on this thing. Xavier Worthy. That was a good, that was a, a, another great addition to it. Xavier Worthy, 6'1", 160 pounds, ready to get out there and shimmy and scoot. <laughs> That's right. That is, yeah. he is a dirt bike. Yeah. He, 10, 500 meter dash. And if you get in a car wreck with him, he's going to explode and he's not going to be able to, to walk the next, but like he can absolutely scoot. And Donovan Edwards is comp. He's a four-star running back. His comp is Alvin Kamara. He's a good pass catcher out of the backfield. He can line up in the slot. You could go flex him out, go empty set. Yeah, it's there. Got a lot of athletes. I mean, just think of the receiving core. This is off the top of my head. Okay. So, um, Roman Wilson is a four, three, 40, Yard true freshman guy. right now. He'll true be a sophomore this next year. year. Yeah. Um, AJ Henning is a 10, 700 meter guy. Um, so Xavier Worthy arrives. He is a 10, 500 meter guy. Um, Giles Jackson is a, uh, he has really good times. I don't know what they are, but he's really fast. Um, Blake Corum at running back is a, is a four, like four, five, I think low four, five guy. Um, maybe even a four, four guy. 
He's a he's an absolutely explosive athletic kid. The, I mean, the pieces are there. Like I just there's no way to look at it any other way. But like so when Josh Gaddis arrived in Michigan and the and the whole narrative of speed and space, speed and space, speed and space. We're gonna put speed and space. Well, they didn't have that much speed. And they got speed now. They have done it. They have they have effectively recruited a group of skill players that have elite speed. So I just I, I am having a hard time dismissing the idea that Michigan won't be good on offense next year. Which I, I think they will. Which brings me to my next question. If I remember correctly, and I, I'm sorry, I apologize, I don't have this, so I don't know the names, but it felt like earlier in the day, Michigan lost maybe two players, and I think they were both on the defensive side of the ball. And I remarked in our CFB Slack room, I said, because uh, somebody else said, man, if Michigan keeps losing all these players, almost indicative of, you know, oh, that would be bad news for Harbaugh. And I suggested, I said, well, they're both on the defensive side of the ball, which might let you know that there could be some changes coming to the Michigan staff below Jim Harbaugh. And if they're on the defensive side of the ball, given what we've seen from the Wolverines in 2020, might not be that surprising. Let's sit and wait and let's see all the other pieces come in. Sure enough, you end up getting Donovan Edwards. You end up getting Xavier Worthy, J.J. McCarthy. He, had, I don't even think there was anything uncertain when the day started, that was just a formality of locking him up, right? I mean, five-star quarterback, top 25 player in the entire class. Like you, you did very, very well as a, as a Michigan coaching staff bringing in new offensive talent. Yeah, that's an important piece, J.J. McCarthy, um, obviously. But, but it bears repeating the quarterback position. Um, they, just, they, have the, they have the people to distribute the ball to. Now they need a quarterback that can do it. And I think J.J. McCarthy can. I've, he's always been a guy I've really liked in this class. And, and he's been huge in this Michigan class and holding everything together. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I'm sitting here um, I'm looking at Coca, popping some notes in our, in our thread here. Miami's jump Michigan uh, to number 10 now. So Michigan's back out of the top 10. Miami's in the top 10. Miami landed Jake Garcia, the quarterback. Um. Another big one, you know, this this is credit Steve Wilfong, who was was on this. Like he was actually ready to uh, pop a little news update early in the morning, but but uh, Arkansas, I guess, had a really good shot at landing Jake Garcia. Interesting, and and that's a that's an interesting. Yeah, it is interesting um, because everyone thought he was just a lock to Miami, but Miami ends up getting him, and uh, and Jake Garcia, who's once you once a USC commit, the guy whose parents. Uh, filed for divorce. Yep. Let's, let's, so let's that, unpack this because I know so, this story. <laughs> so that he could be eligible to play football in the state so that he could move from California to Georgia to play his senior season while California was sitting out. Uh, he is staying in the Southeast and going to Miami. What happens when like, all right, now he's at Miami. Uh, do we get back together now, honey? <laughs> Have another have another wedding, have a party. That's right. Stay back together. Cal California shut down, and Jake Garcia because he's from California, mm -hmm. and Jake Garcia wanted to play football this fall, so they relocated to Valdosta, Georgia, but they couldn't get the paperwork right. So then he transferred to Grayson, mm -hmm. played right. Yep, played, and to be able to be approved by the local. Uh, athletic associations to play football. He had to cite reasons 
for the move, you know, beyond the obvious, which is I'm just trying to play football and I need to find somewhere where it can happen. And one of the ways that you can actually get that approved by the board is for a change in your parents' marital status. Is that it? And well, no, but they did the marital, like he got ruled ineligible because his dad told like an ESPN reporter and it was like in a story that the reason like we divorced so that he would be eligible to play in Georgia. And so he got ruled ineligible at the first school and then he went to the second school. And so my whole point was like, look, like if he's willing to move across the country and his parents are willing to file for divorce, like forget the rules, like he's done enough, he can play. Um, but he gets to play. He gets, uh, he commits to Miami. Miami's, you know, Miami's got a little bit of a West coast pipeline going right now. Um, and, uh, you know what? I don't think he is a day one starter. He is talented now. He's big and strong and, and, and athletic and with a big arm, but he, you know, I think he's a little bit raw. We'll see if he is an instant, like, you know, answer for Derek King's departure, but th- that's beside the point. Really. It's just a great get for Miami to continue to show it can win that sort of recruiting battle. Uh, this question from Standing Room MSU, what does it mean to be an elite recruiter? The buzz on Mel Tucker is the great job he'd done recruiting everywhere he went. Do analysts view him, view great recruiters more through the lens of finding under-the-radar guys with potential, or is it being able to land the big fish? It's being able to land the big fish. That that's I mean, when you hear someone say he's a great recruiter, it's being able to beat other people on a player that a lot of people want. And um, I think the idea for Mel Tucker at Michigan State is a national recruiting approach. The ability, you know, the, the history he has in the Southeastern Conference, the history he has in the Southeast, the ability to pull from the Southeast. And, you know, this year that was, that was compromised a little bit because of the COVID situation. But no, I mean, I think that's a different, like I don't call Matt Campbell a great recruiter. I think Matt Campbell is a great developer um, he is a great evaluator and, uh, you know, if Matt Campbell gets in a recruiting battle with, um, Mario Cristobal, I think Mario Cristobal is probably going to win, but I, I'm not so sure Mario Cristobal is a better evaluator than Matt Campbell. And so I don't know, pick your pick, pick what you want. Um, uh, but, but Mel Tucker is going to have an opportunity to try to make Michigan state a little more of a, uh, a little more of a, a, a non-regional recruiting power. And he's going to. I think he's probably going to have to 2022 cycle might be the, the time to prove that. Um, is there any, in, any sort of teams or storylines that stood out that we hadn't uh, gotten a chance to hit on just sort of organically so far, you want to make sure we get it in before we uh, get out of here? Um, well, I mean, there, there is some, some decisions left to go. Uh, Armani Goodwin, we're sitting here. He'll, he'll have committed by the time he just committed to LSU. There you go. Okay. So another big story for LSU. I mean, this is like very, uh, very up and down day for LSU, but that's big. Uh, one time Auburn commit another guy that's not part of this Auburn class that once was, um, later on tonight to Adelaide likely headed to Texas A&M. Uh, that would be a big one. Uh, and then yeah, later I didn't think on, I feel like I heard Texas A&M's name mentioned for a lot of these like big announcements. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, I guess that's fair. Um, I mean, good class, but, number 14 in the country. I mean, it's not a bad class. Right. But they've got, um, 
you know, like Bryce Foster is like they they got some some meat still on the bone. Like to me, Seattle, a, Bryce Foster, I bet they end up as a, as a top ten class before the cycle's over. Um, and Jordan Gilbert is another one. I think Texas A and M's got a good chance of getting out of Louisiana. So again, uh, you know, stick around for uh, for the rest of the week and uh, see some of these guys pop, and then tune back in January second on NBC for the uh, All American Bowl declaration uh event and you'll see a few more guys pop but um i think a&m's got some more good news to come all right i've I've, I've let all this time pass north carolina locked and loaded like not not a busy day i mean it wasn't they i don't know who they were i guess they had one player that they were kind of in the running for but not really who ended up going somewhere else but it kind of felt like most of the commitments also, you know, we're ended up signing uh, Keyshawn Silver's the highest rated one, five star player. But I mean, you know, Drake May, that's somebody who you've even mentioned. Uh, like if Drake May gets to play his senior year, maybe he's a five star instead of a four star. And then you think about the way that they've been loading up on the defensive line. They've been getting good linebackers and it's just wide receivers, defensive line, quarterback and this group, the offensive line's all back for next year. Sam Howell's back for next year. The freshmen who had to play early, including Tony Grimes, you know, they are back with another year of development. Uh, Tar Heels are looking good for the future. Absolutely. Uh, they got 10 of the top 20 players in the state. You're, you said it. They're great on the defensive line. Uh, they got a bunch of really versatile defensive players at the linebacker and safety positions. Uh, they got their quarterback. Uh, and, and, and most of these guys, as you mentioned, didn't even play their senior season. So who knows what they would even be ranked if they had one of those such players is a kid named Caleb hood, mm. who is a quarterback who is six, one, two who is a four, five, 40 guy, four, four, 40 guy, actually with like a 37 is vertical. He's just a monster. Um, you know, that, I think he's going to be a running back for North Carolina. Um, they've just got a lot of. They got a lot of athletes in this class. I think they really killed it in state, and it's going to be a, uh, you know, it, th- that roster is going to continue to get better. Yeah, no high school football in the state of North Carolina this year. Fourteen of the eighteen all in-state kids. Impressive, uh, impressive stuff. All right, anything? Uh, let's see. Um, is there any way to real? This is from Sand Lapper Spike. Is there any way to realistically evaluate or rank signing classes for FCS schools? Not, I mean, not in, not in an authoritative way. We could certainly track it, but um, there's only so many man hours in the day. <laughs> I mean, already the group of five classes are very body. Um, just to be totally candid. Oh, what know? happened with SMU today? I felt like SMU was like right on the cusp of hitting on a, maybe two or three guys. And well, I they did, had the one big one. I mean, they had Savion Bird. Right. And I, I, I did the research too. And I, I saw, I was like, oh, like Rashad Samples used to be at Houston, used to be at Texas. He's huge for recruiting the Dallas, Fort Worth, larger Metroplex area. Um, and SMU's 24-7 site, the, the writers there were feeling like they had, you know, they were going to lock down a pretty good class for the American athletic conference. Uh, let's see, as we pull it up right now, they do finish with the number two class in the conference behind Cincinnati, Cincinnati 
had, I think, one of the best group of five. They're number 43 overall. I think they had one of the best group of five classes. They probably had the top one. In the country. They had a good class, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, the SMU was, the, the big story was, was Savion Bird, who's a local guy. And SMU has done such a good job in that area. Rashad Samples being a big reason why. They're just a coach. And just look, man, when... Um, but they got Preston Stone, four-star dual-threat quarterback. Sorry, four-star quarterback. Forgot Barton doesn't like dual-threat anymore. That's right. That's right. Uh, yes. I mean, they got Preston Stone. That's a good one. Um, Savion Bird would have been huge. But, hey, when... <laughs> If, if SMU was able to beat Oklahoma on a top 100 offensive lineman legitimately, that would have been the, the absolute story of the day. I don't know if it was going to be because somehow everyone expected it. They would have, it was somehow a surprise that Oklahoma landed him, but it really shouldn't be. I mean, Oklahoma is as effective right now producing offensive linemen as anyone in the country and that they beat SMU on a Texas kid. I don't know. Probably, probably we shouldn't, shouldn't feel too surprised by that. Any other? Uh, all right. So, who are the the big announcements that we're waiting on right now? You've you've mentioned Corey Foreman a couple times, but uh, what's the timeline and what are, what are we keeping our eye on? Uh, Corey Foreman, the number one player in the country, he's committing on January second. Uh, uh, JT Tui Moloau, uh is committing in February, I think. Um, he's the number three player in the country, and uh, you know, I think let's see the 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 decision, like, you know, there, there's there's a good bit of pretty good February decisions on the deck, but uh, in terms of just sort of next few days, there is. Um, let me pull it up here. We got, like I said, we have Bryce Foster, um, Terrence Lewis is coming. He was the linebacker that was once committed to Tennessee, might recommit to Tennessee, but Maryland could land him. Uh, Tristan Lee, he may actually wait until February. Now he's a kid that's in one of the elite offensive linemen in the country. Uh, Deshaun Morrell. Either UCLA or Penn State for him. Um, Kamar Wheaton, maybe an Oklahoma commit there coming at, uh, out of the state of Texas at the running back position. Uh, so again, all these guys I'm mentioning are basically top 100 players. So there, there's, there's still whether it's this week or February, there's still some big fish out there. You mentioned on the broadcast that you felt like if Auburn had had a more stable coaching situation, they might have had a better chance at Terrence Lewis. Has that door shut? I don't think anyone is 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 ready to rule anything out for Terrence Lewis. I think Terrence Lewis is one of those guys that who knows? Who knows where this goes? Um, I don't mean to but, sound dismissive as I laugh at that. I mean, it's just a personality thing, right? Yeah, it's, I welcome it. I love yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just say, hey, be unpredictable. Live life that way. I love be when these, these the, cause these coaches are so like they, they're, power control. They're like control freaks, right? Like they want the power. They want to be able to know everything. And then they get this wild card 18 year old that they can't <laughs> figure out and their uncertainty and their discomfort sort of like gets to us, the audience through all the recruiting insiders. And it's just hilarious to think about these well-compensated coaches sitting around their war room. Like, I don't know. Dude's a total wild card. We'll see what happens. If Maryland lands him, that would be pretty impressive. Uh, they got Brandon Jennings. They flipped him from uh, from Michigan today. Another linebacker out of the state of Florida. Uh, I mentioned on the broadcast, Ruben Hippolyte was a kid that got last year out of the state of Florida. That was one of their best young defenders this cycle or this this. Uh, so, I mean, Mike Loxley, you know, trying to put that that wall around the DMV, but doing a pretty good job of of picking a few off down in Florida as well. 
Very impressive. Again, Barton, I mean it. Y'all, y'all did a fantastic job. It's, it's a chore. Like it's a physical chore to be able to be up there, but it was, it was cool. Uh, especially like right there at the beginning, you just kind of, everything was locked and loaded. We were following the storylines. We were updating everything. Everything was really smooth. It was very entertaining. It was the best products that was produced anywhere today. And you saw it on CBS sports HQ live from the 24 seven sports offices in Nashville live from Fort Lauderdale with Bud Elliott and, uh, and also Tommy Tran, um, you know, Brady Quinn. We got Chris Hassel in there. Apparently it's Chris Hassel's birthday. Happy birthday, Chris. Uh, it was a, it was, it was a very, very solid production. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at chip underscore Patterson. We will be back tomorrow morning, uh, late morning recording. Uh, look forward to around lunchtime, the locks for championship week. Barton. Thank you very much. Dessert. shining light Sarajevo and they needed to kill that light from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2 U2 they represent a personification of our resistance the Hollywood reporter hails kiss the future moving and inspirational kiss the future viva Sarajevo kiss the future new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus go to Paramount Plus to try it free terms apply